0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Paddock Chat, a West Midlands Group original podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock. I’m your host, Kira Holly and I work at the West Midlands Group. In this episode, I caught up with agronomist and farmer Courtney Peace. We talked about how the season is looking so far, our options for resistance management, the pests our crops could be vulnerable to in 2020, and the exciting new ag tech on the horizon for weeds management. Before we get into it, here's a little bit about our guest. A sixth generation farmer, Courtney grew up on a sheep and cropping property in Kojonup. Courtney began his career as an agronomist in 2007 with elders at Meriden and later returned to his hometown, Kojonup, Specialising in broadacre cropping and pasture, as well as horticultural root, leaf and tree, Courtney services farming operations across much of WA from Kojin up to Dandaragan, to all the way up north in the Pilbara. Now based in Perth, Courtney is a senior agronomist for elders part time while also running his own consulting business, Agronomic Services. And somehow he still manages to find the time to work on his family farm in Koji. Our conversation was recorded in early June 2020. Now, before we hear from today's guest, I'd just like to say, the information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on information provided in this podcast. Right, now that that boring part is over, let's get into the fun part. Welcome to the show, Courtney. Courtney thank you so what is happening for your growers at the moment what are you seeing given the season given the
1: season so far i mean it sort of was a bit of on off on and off switch this season so it was good for a bit then bad for a bit then we had all that wind and then it's sort of been good for a while we have had some good growing conditions and there's some good stuff around there's some good canola about there's some very patchy germs of canola especially furrow fill and things like that but I reckon these days everyone seems to throw the kitchen sink at it prem like everyone just rips it out of the house and chucks it in the paddock so you generally i I think our weed burdens are not early aren't as bad as what they used to be I hope I hope so generally I think our crops are looking cleaner earlier than they than they normally are so I've not really seen a huge amount of weed burden that way you'd be used to seeing I mean you're always going to have radish coming up that's just plain and simple but there's a lot of new products out now pre-ems like grass and broadleaves that are starting to get used heavily instead of where we used to sort of sneak into a new product and use it here and there a new product comes out and everyone just jumps into it and just gives it a go which is great because it means we can really see some results quickly. I've seen a lot of weed around grass wise I think we got a pretty good knock on a lot of stuff all the dry sowing stuff obviously maybe not so much but a lot of the other stuff, with well, ryegrass was out of the ground early, so yeah, I hopefully we'll get will be a bit cleanish.
0: So it's all looking relatively under control so far.
1: Yeah, everyone's. I reckon these days everyone seems to be pretty proactive, early spraying. Everyone seems to get all of their weeds so early, as soon as the crops are ready. Everyone's spraying, as opposed to waiting. These days, I think when the when the time is is good, you just you get into it. These days, and a lot of the new products don't really have any. Fat in the system, like you can't trust them outside their windows. So you have to, if you're going to go, you got to go.
0: What new products would that be in particular? Oh,
1: just all the new stuff with no residual. I mean, they haven't been around for a long time, but the lights of you know the velocities and the precepts, they you know minimal residual. You can hop them up with other stuff, but you got to go when you got to go, and they have a lot of shading problems and things like that. I mean, up north of Grayson Highway, they work amazingly, but. Down further south where it can get quite overcast and you get some shading, you need to get it right. Mm. Um, it's not a silver bullet, so you need to get it right. And now there's a pre version of that group, Callisto, the new one. So that's just come out as a pre group H, which mm. is pretty – so far so good, looks pretty good. And then there's a heap of new um, grass and broadleaf products, which aren't out yet but are coming through for lupins and canola and wheat and barley, so to take the pressure off Tref and yeah. propizomide even and – Maybe even like, take the pressure off secure and, and yeah, just to try and get another group in the, in the mix, which would be really good. Just try and, try and mix that alphabet up so we can start throwing all the different letters at it instead of just <laughs> throwing, throwing the top two or three letters at it all yeah. the time. The A, B, C, D jobs. We just, <laughs> yeah. we need to move further down the list, <laughs> which we are now. We're into the yeah. K's and the J's, but we need to get further down. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you think those summer rains that we got are going to impact? The level of bugs that we're going to see this oh, year. Oh, the
1: green bridge and things. Mm. Depends on the, on the insect, if they have a multiple multiple generations or if they're one generation and they're dead. Yeah. So budworm are native, so they fly in off the bush. So they will be here in spring regardless, mm-hmm. regardless of whether they were here now or here not. So that, that that's just what it is. Yeah. Green bridge is all for aphids. So that if there was a green bridge, nine times out of ten, aphids will be around somewhere harbouring. So if it was a... Um, if it was a um, radish or broadleaf green bridge, then you got your green peach could be an issue, things like that. But that's just something that has to be monitored. Really, you, they only really get going in the only aphid in winters is a green peach that does anything. Spring times when they start getting up to damaging levels, and same with DBM. And there's definitely, I mean, DBM on the on the coast where I work. There's a lot of DBM all the time, but yeah. um, you just got to monitor for those things because they're one of those one of those insects that. On very hard on, like you don't spray unless they cross it, the, unless they breach a threshold. You don't just go and proactively go and spray DBM. They've got such a nasty resistance profile that you haven't got to hit them too many times, and and that you that that chemistry no longer works. Yeah. So they're a pretty scary pests. Well, worldwide, they're them and fall armyworm, which we've just had in the north. They're the two two of the most highly Um, should
0: we be worried about
1: four armyworm down here uh well no because once once it gets cold they don't um they don't finish their life cycle so once it's under 10 degrees the female doesn't lay any eggs and she actually can't survive
0: wonderful
1: so um i was talking to the entomologist in in uh in kumunurra Helen Spafford. they're not they don't have a, a resting phase like a like budworm do so budworm when it's cold they just rip out into the gum trees and go into a resting phase. Uh, Fall army worm like Spadoptera, which is all in the north as well, they don't have one. So they actually have to repopulate from areas of war. So they actually have to, so once they start in Kununurra again, uh, we'll need to monitor them in in spring and summer because they will move back down again. And it just depends on how far they get and then they might get. So they found them in Carnarvon, so that's not that far no. from Geraldton. That's not that far away and it's not out of the question mm-hmm. that they would get here over over a spring summer period, but whether that we would have any viable food for them outside the horticultural market, because yeah. hopefully by then all that canola is pretty much gone. Lupins, hopefully, it might change our strategy. but We might have to get into lupins and canola, and, get, and can't leave. We might have to just get into it and just start. I'm just spitballing, but we might have to. You know, people that leave it standing and yeah. go and do barley, you might not be able to do that. You might. If if they got bad, you would have to get in and get your susceptible crops off. But the problem is they also don't mind having a nibble on wheat and barley and oats either. So I hope they don't get here, but if they do, we'll just have to manage it. It's been managed by everywhere else in the world where they've got it. So it's susceptible to chemistry. So it's not like it's resistant. That's the good thing about it. It's not like a diamondback moth, which has got multiple generations on its back and yeah. – triple generations all in one hit and yeah. it's just scary. So
0: we have options.
1: There's options, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting them in Gunanurra quite happily and that's in a, in crops that they love. So they're killing them there quite happily and killing them while keeping beneficials as well. So that's where all this new chemistry needs to get pushed through into broadacre that is soft on beneficials because that is part of the the, the whole thing is, is keeping your wasps and your hoverflies active because they...
0: So what is a beneficial?
1: Oh, so beneficial intake is something that, targets that pest, but nothing else. So what the cane toad was supposed to be. A beneficial like a a wasp, which we use in citrus. Um, You have hoverflies, which are native. There's lots of natives that come in. So ladybirds are probably the best example. If we can get our beneficials to go crazy and take them out, we might only need – if everyone does it, it's got to be a regional thing, like the first person that goes misting lanate over something and gets all the neighbours, then you're, you're sort of resetting the clock. You've got to work together to get it right. Coordinated
0: response.
1: Which is what the Ord do, mm-hmm. which is what the Ord Valley, they are very good – well, their grower group is, is very rigorous on what chemistry they can use each year, yeah. both fungicides and insecticides. That's
0: really cool. Yeah,
1: so they're very open about it and say, look, we're going to use this this year because that way we can all get so our – Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can still use heavy chemistry, yeah. but they're very, very open about it, especially fungicide resistance, yeah. trying to keep – fungicide resistance at bay because they're in such a microcosm of just everything grows well.
0: Hello everyone, I'm just jumping in here to tell you a little bit about a Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development project we have collaborated on this year. The statewide project aims to find out where in the landscape the diamondback moth host plants occur and how the pest is moving through the grain belt to re canola crops. Diamondback moths, aka DBM, can have a large impact for canola growers in WA with warm spring temperatures leading to large outbreaks. The second stage of the DBM survey has now begun with traps set up in four locations in the West Midlands. Each site has a DBM trap, full armyworm trap and a budworm trap. These traps will be monitored and checked every two weeks by the WMG throughout the growing season. This deeper-led project is supported by the GRDC and SARDI. And before we jump back into it, don't forget July 21 is the day to join Join us out in the paddock in Dandarragon for our Dandaragan Crop Tour. Research partners and agronomists will be on hand to answer your questions and provide insight into the progress of this year's trials, including the National Variety Trials. This is a free event, so if you would like to join us, please RSVP via the link in the show notes for catering purposes. All right, let's get back to it. Do you have any tips for managing herbicide resistance?
1: Ah, uh, Rotation. Simple. Yeah. Rotation. I mean, there's di- there's all lots of different trains of thought and there was strict rotation where you change groups and then there's another one where you put all the groups in together and it depends on, so herbicide resistance is totally different to insecticide resistance, which is totally different to fungicide resistance is really, really different. So you won't get, well, there's trains of thought that the high rate won't won't hold resistance. high rate will actually give you more resistance quickly, so the mid rate's better. But I mean, I just think that just rotating, and knowing the pest, mm-hmm. but knowing the pest and where it is and its cycle, and just work that work it that way, mm-hmm. and don't just use chemistry all the time. You have to use other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like and guys in this guys and girls in this neck of the woods are good at that.
0: Yeah, like they've got like new machinery. Yeah,
1: moldboarding and stuff like yeah. that, and you know all that getting better germ by using wetters and bedners and whatever else you're using to try and get mm-hmm. more weeds up or. Yeah, grazing crops or stuff like that. If that works, mm-hmm. or blowing stuff out, like when we could put glyphosate on barley, things like that. There's that kind of stuff that all that needs to be done. or rotating hay is also another. Like hay is the primo. Like I've do a lot of work in the Williams area, and that you know that saves us from growing too much canola. Is that yeah. we grow hay. So there's that as well. So yeah, you just need to use every tool in the toolbox. Yeah. Like don't keep reaching for the same crescent, even though it's reliable and it seems to keep working. One day that it's going to break, so you then all of a sudden you're left with the tools you aren't, that aren't as good.
0: Yeah, and you can't go back to it as readily.
1: Yeah, you're always looking for the king chrome spanner. You mm-hmm. probably need to start using the stuff that might not be as good, but mm-hmm. in rotation it will work. And in a sheep, in a mixed farming enterprise, which is you know in this area there's everything. Yeah, that is the very hard okay. part. So you've got mouths to feed as well. So there's there's that there's that side of things as well you have you have to think about because there's money and if you don't if you spray the cape weed out what's left yeah that's the the clover's it's kind of there's not that many of the big old clover dominant pastures left they're all putting
0: it in yourself
1: unless you're seeding it back in a lot of the country has there's there is still around but it's not what used to be where you'd pull a paddock out and they'd be rife with clover it's more cape feed not cape weed or silver grass, you know, like if you've got, if you take the Cape Word and silvergrass out, what's left? Put it in the crop for a couple of years and then pull it back out again. So if it's a filthy paddock, drop it out and make the sheep eat it. Yeah.
0: Do you foresee any issues from last season that may impact the coming season?
1: As long as we get on top of the weeds yeah. from last year. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really have a lot of stubble to deal with. That's one good thing. And most of it blew away anyway. So that's probably the erosion thing Is 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 probably something we need to take away from last season, as in if you've got sheep, sheep I live. Oh, no, we had to because we didn't have a lot of water. Maybe we need to look at locking sheep up out of paddocks because –
0: Confinement
1: feed. Yeah, confinement feed, which a lot of guys have done that down where I'm from. A late break sort of negates confinement a bit, makes it a bit hard. Mm-hmm. But an early break – well, I mean, this year was a bit of an early break. Mm-hmm. Confinement has worked quite nicely around the place, especially if you're a late lammer. If you're an early lammer, then you're probably in trouble regardless. Yep. But your lambs are now finished, mm. so you're now you're ahead of the game. You're laughing. Mm. So that's it's kind of a double-edged sword, yeah. that one. But you need to try and that would – what I would – is stop the sheep walking around too much and cows just powdering up you, your land and you're going to lose your topsoil.
0: Do you do any, like, trial work or are you
1: running uh, – Well, now? not not personally, I don't. But because I am still involved with the the Pink Shirt Network, they right. have trials and I generally look at them.
0: Yeah. Is there anything that you've seen this year that someone is doing that is of interest?
1: I mean, the, probably the biggest thing this year is that, is that a lot of people have jumped on the soil wetter line um, because so much so that the big product that everyone used ran out. Um, I've seen some huge results with, with that across gravel, sand, even on some very heavy country, um, made a huge difference. So to the point where, yeah, very even the sceptics have gone and bought a liquid kit. And and said they're doing it next year because they've looked next door and said I sewed on the same day. It's the, the only difference between the paddock is the fence, and it's chalk and cheese. A lot of people have called it a band aid, but I don't really mind if it's a twenty dollar a hectare band aid every yeah. year. It's actually going to it still will make you money. So I think it, it's a good band aid at that. Yeah, it's a really good band-aid.
0: When you say band-aid, I think of those fixes where it works for three years and then the effects are worse after Oh yeah. Is there any evidence of that? Well,
1: not yet. And there's some people down south that have used it for a number of years. Yeah. They reckon a lot of guys actually said after a few years they stopped using it because they were because they were creating like on a gravel hill, like a mallet hill per se. You, you nothing ever grows around the top two cuts on a mallet on a hill. Just doesn't happen. They're starting to get things growing there. Like I was at a paddock yesterday and it it's a mallet hill, and there's nothing ever grown, and and this top strip, it's 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 canola all the way around the edge of this hill, and I've never seen that on this. And paddock. they haven't
0: put wetters down. oh, they, they yes. had, yeah. Yep.
1: But over time, there's people who've done that, and then found that they've created enough soil, and they've got enough. Uh, organic matter and plant roots and things have started to happen there yeah. they've actually started to create a better micro climate yeah. and things have actually started to germinate there yeah so their pasture phase there has actually gone up the hill more or yeah. gone down the hill more so it's actually started to work they started to actually get things moving. Yeah, which is pretty funky.
0: Any new and exciting technologies or products on the horizon for weeds?
1: I mean, there's a lot more new products. Is in chemical products coming? Well, some, well, most of them do not have names yet. But okay. there's a lot of new stuff coming next season. There'll be a couple of grass selectives and broadleaf selectives coming. So both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm um and then there'll be a couple of other grass ones and then there'll be probably another broadleaf one for lupins like there's there's actually a lot of stuff coming because pre-em seems to be where we're going because we can't kill them once they're germinated um (laughs) so
0: there's demand
1: yeah there's demand and there's and the good thing is is the chem companies well i mean it's in their best interest they're gonna make a lot of money so Mm. there's a lot of that coming and then there's also new techniques like there's a lot more people with the seed destructors and you know, there's a lot more of the, the, the bale direct system. I've got people trying to do a lot more of that.
0: What's
1: that? Uh the Glenvar Bale Direct. So from Logan Hills, at least a bale right behind the harvester. Yeah, yeah that's okay. um that a lot of guys are looking at, at trying to maybe look at that if they're into hay or yeah. straw. Yeah. Um, as Pete Newman says, the answer, my friend, is to burn in light wind. Mm-hmm. That's still the the one for canola, definitely canola. Just burn the windrows or lupins or whatever. Um, what else is coming? I mean, there's drone sensing and all that stuff starting to get pretty cool. What's that? So like satellite or drone imagery for weed sensing. Yeah. And then they'll go and auto spray it. I use some stuff in Hort that can tell me whether trees are bearing fruit or not. Wow. So at, from a drone height, like I've used it, I've trialed it this year and it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, wow. And then there's some online um, online biomass imagery stuff where you can actually create your own variable rate map if you like, and it's not hard. Mm. So it's, you know, click, click, click. You've got your three variable rates and it goes straight into you. At this stage, I think it's the green machine that's got an animal on it. Hmm. Nothing runs like it. Uh, they've got they're, – they're, they're in partnership with it. So, anything if you've got a Johnny, you can do it. Hmm. I don't know about the other kinds. But, yeah, so that's on the way as well. So, there's all a lot more stuff that's becoming a lot more – into the past that early adopter phase where it's actually becoming a viable option for us to actually have a go at. Laconic in particular, it's WA-based, like it's written by two guys who are, who are very into soil science. So, they're, you know, that works quite nicely.
0: Okay, well, we've covered a lot. I've just got my last question. What keeps you interested in farming?
1: The people, I reckon. Catching up with people and having a coffee and actually making something happen and seeing your business grow or seeing your business change. You know seeing that kind of stuff really um people who want to really grow their business and not just physically but just actually become more profitable or whatever they want to do whatever their goals are yeah that's what i like to do and bring new technology and i just rate i've been a lot of to a lot of agricultural places in the world and yeah i think you know we might not have the best soil in the world we definitely don't have the best soil in the world but we get the most out of the least is what a a soil scientist told me once he said we get the most out of the least so that's why I, I like working here because okay. it's easy to it's easy to yield when you've got 20 feet of black soil like yeah. anyone can do that when you've got challenges that's when you, yeah you rise to it that's what I like doing yeah. and seeing the result even if it's good bad or indifferent it's still a result
0: alright well thanks for coming on today pleasure get a lot of good information out of you hopefully <laughs> everyone can put it to good
1: use and yeah. like you yeah. be more profitable yeah good, mm-hmm. good call thanks alright
0: a big thank you to Courtney for giving up his time to share his knowledge on those topics. So, some key messages. Know your paddocks. Keep a close eye on those paddocks with a heavy weed burden and consider whether you could put it to better use elsewhere in the operation. Don't rely completely on chemistry. Mix it up with physical options like mould boarding, grazing and rotation. When it comes to managing bugs, know the pest you're dealing with. Thanks to demand, there's a lot of new chemistry and ag tech to look forward to. You can get in touch with Courtney via the contact details in today's show notes. You'll also be able to find useful resources on today's topics if you would like further information. The best way to receive our updates and to stay in the loop with the latest in local research is by becoming a West Midlands Group member. Our members are an essential part of why we do what we do, and we pride ourselves on ensuring members like you receive relevant, innovative information. A membership gets you early access to our workshops, free or discounted entry for up to three farm business members to our major events, including Springfield Days, and exclusive access to a member only publications like our technical newsletter, the WMG Quarterly. For more information, visit our website where you can sign up anytime. And thank you as always for tuning in. We want to know what you want to hear about. In the show notes, you'll be able to find a link titled Podcast Feedback where you can let us know who you want to hear from, what you want to hear about, and it would just give us a better idea of what you guys are interested in. You can stay in the loop by subscribing so that you know when the next episode drops. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review. I'd like to thank our sponsors and members without whom this would not be possible. See you next time for some more paddock chat. Local knowledge from a paddock near you.